Welcome back to a new episode of The Talk, the podcast about Nordic entrepreneurship from Nordea Private Banking. I'm Walter Neslund, and as always, I will be your host today. Last week, the Swedish electric motorcycle company Cake surprised the world by raising a $60 million Series B round. An impressive sum for any company, but especially if you've only been around for five years. And it's an indication of really bold goals ahead. So I went over to Cake headquarters to learn more about those goals and find out what Cake is all about. And this is my conversation with the founder and CEO of Cake, the amazing Stefan Ytterborn. So first, in, in your words, what is the company Cake and what do you do? This is a company developing and marketing and selling two-wheeled motorized electric vehicles. But we, we're in a pretty early stage. We've been uh, commercially in the market for like uh, a little more than two years. But we've come to the point where we're actually accelerating from a relatively global successful startup towards uh, becoming a vehicle industry. I did actually interview you probably three years ago. Yeah. Something like that. And you yeah. were just pretty much starting up. Yeah, yeah. You had your first bike and now you just raised a $60 million uh, B round. Yes. What do you plan to do with that money? Basically what we're doing is building uh, an ecosystem, an infrastructure around a more solid, uh, I'd say, backend as well as uh, a firm go-to-market platform. So there's a strong mission that, that says that we're inspiring the market towards zero emission by combining excitement with responsibility. That said, uh, that sustainability aspect of, of, of things is crucial to what we're doing. So one of the things that we're doing that has a number of benefits, actually, is moving our assembly facilities closer to our markets, meaning that at, at this point, we're manufacturing all of the components uh, in Taiwan and Taiwan, because Taiwan is actually the best in the world in that sense. Uh, anyhow, uh, bikes were assembled in Taiwan uh, up until recently. And we were able to carry about, you know, to, to fit about 25 bikes uh, within a, a container. While with this new, uh, you know, concept moving uh, assembly closer to our customers, uh, we're able to, to bring components worth about 150 bikes in that same container. So the footprint in that sense is much, much, much smaller. Together with the fact that, that you know, today with previously doing, you know, assembly in Taiwan as well, we needed to guess about, you know, eight months beforehand what the actual demand would be in terms of sales. And, they're, you know, ending up with inventory, which is not really accurate in, in, in conjunction with, with demand. So in this case, we'd be able to assemble bikes with a two, two-week delivery time to, to all our customers. So there's a number of, 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 of uh, you know, aspects uh, supporting efficiency. So um, south of Stockholm, we just opened in July uh, our first assembly factory for Europe, and we're doing the same thing for America during H1, uh, as well as setting up a uh, Taiwanese assembly factory for uh, for the Asian market right now. So that's one thing. And then we're opening a number of, of um, showrooms, retail, and service centers around the world to make sure that we can filter the market, whether that be consumers or business-to-business -business, uh, players, uh, you know, getting in getting to know about our products and, and uh, starting to convert from there. So that's, you know, the big picture. Obviously, then you're expanding your capacity massively in all these markets. Yeah. And uh, I, I imagine that marketing will follow. You know, I have a very boring uh, perspective on marketing uh, in the eyes of a number of, of, of uh, I'd say, communication providers and consultants out there because my main topic is, uh, or, or, or perspective, 
would be that that the proof is in the pudding. So make sure to make an amazing product and uh, you'll be able to gain tons of earned media through that. And that's how we're working. And I'm sure that we'll need to to, to open up a bit when it comes to to actually addressing and 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 and. Uh, opening these these showrooms around the world and I mean just going to a new town and, and expecting that people just pass by and, and you know wanting to buy a cake bike is not going to happen so I think that that we will start you know investing in in, in uh, communication which is beyond what I just described which is actually buying media we need to you know to get the consumers to understand uh, where we are and uh, make them come to us and whatever so but I think that's going to happen on a local basis. And while on the topic of marketing, I have to ask you, can you tell me the story about Farrell's yellow cake bike? We have a common friend and a guy named JR, who is an amazing French artist. He's the guy that makes all of these giant installations with posters and stuff all over. And he's a celebrated artist and, you know, people want to hang around with him. And he has his studio in New York and um, he has a cake bike just because he loves riding motorcycles and uh, he has all of these celebrities coming by and and uh pharrell came came by and and uh rode his bike and and the funny thing was at the time that 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 jr was was which he always does he's always you know videoing everything and uh pharrell's like crazy oh, i gotta have one of these amazing ah oh, you know get me one and make it yellow and um through jr we got in contact with pharrell and uh Basically, he buys the bike full pop without any discounts. And of course, we did the exception of actually doing a customized bike, helping him out with, with you know, making it yellow. But he makes it yellow. And then the whole thing just, you know, um, skyrockets or, or, or uh, he was so fond of the bike that, that he, he started posting, uh, you know, the bike on his social media uh, platform. So uh, I think that we increased um, followers by, you know, 10% in two days when he, he launched that on Instagram back in January uh, this year, I, I guess it was. Even though we don't know each other because we don't, uh, he's become a, a, a dear uh, cake ambassador. Some people may know or may not know your backstory. You you worked uh, with POC before you founded POC, uh, making helmets and now bikes. So first life-saving helmets and now earth-saving bikes. Yeah. Is it important to you to make a difference in the world? Yeah, that's the. I think that's the main trigger of mine, uh, and I don't know the reason for it, but I think that I might have an idea about what, what, why I do it. Of course, but the whole concept is built on four pillars, which is purpose, innovation, performance, and physical quality. And those in combination, uh, you know, is is serving the 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 uh, the reason of actually doing anything because you know we're in a world with with too many things around us and there's no reason to make anything new really unless you can actually improve and change uh, things that needs to be uh, changed or or improved. So in that sense, uh, I think that that one of the major aspects throughout my career, basically, whether it's motorbikes, helmets, or before, has been to fight the pace of consumption, which I consider to be the the, the worst enemy towards sustainability. You know, buying crappy stuff that becomes garbage and you throw it away. So in this sense, if we can extend the life cycles, you know, by being relevant uh, when it comes to purpose, innovation, performance, and uh, physical quality, which also kind of uh, reflects uh, or or Uh, corresponds with another aspect which is the aesthetical quality of things because something that do have all of the, those four components also has the ability to become something which is 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 uh, you know uh, aspirational and preferred with durability in terms of longevity and that's the stuff that we you know still buy at auction houses uh, auction houses whether it be something which is 300 years old or 50 or 20 years old and 
the concept or the, the, the context or the content of, of that whole phenomenon is something that interests me and that I try and kind of pursue. Yeah, before POC, you, you were in, in design uh, and you, uh, you sold super high quality design yeah I've, I've been you know I've, I've been working with with products throughout my 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 whole life I think that I'm still into design even though I never speak about the concept of design personally uh, people tell me oh you got such a nice design yeah yeah I actually started in the furniture business importing contemporary international f- uh, design furniture to Scandinavia when I was like very young and then uh, went that path and ended up doing a lot of work in Finland for a number of years with the brands of Itala and, 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 and so forth, with pretty much revitalizing and repositioning those those Itala and Arabia and, and, and Hakman brands in, internationally. And so I've been in the kind of domestic home landscape of, of, of interior design and got tired of that. Uh, felt a bit shallow uh, about, you know, even though I had that high ambition and, and got into you know, the helmet side of things with the mission of saving lives and reducing consequences of accidents, potentially bringing more purpose than just, you know, making a coffee cup that would be still in the market 200 years later, which, you know, may happen, we'll see. Well, you could argue that POC was also driven by design. Even though you don't want to talk about design, it seems like design has been a really defining factor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, what, what is design? And that's a concept that needs to be defined. And, and, and that's, that's um, deliberate decision-making. I speak a lot about what about aspired perception. So what perception in a defined market are we looking to establish? And that's how we kind of play the game. That means that you give a lot of, you know, deliberate uh, shape and, 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 and functionality or, or form to objects or, or communication or, 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 you know, texts or whatever it might be. And that, that whole thing, uh, no matter what the media would be, it's just as much media as a, a, a website or a, a space, a room or whatever it might be. And that all needs to come together somehow. And, and I guess that, that whole holistic approach to how things are being perceived, uh, and if that is in conjunction with your ambition, that's the, the kind of space that really interests me. Yeah, if you look at the bikes, I don't know if, if our listeners here have seen your bikes, but if if you haven't, uh, check out ridecake.com, and uh, they look different. The big benefit on our side is basically that we're not motorcycling geeks from the beginning, uh, even though we've become motorcycling geeks, and of course we have people in the, you know within the organization who knows everything about motorbikes to be able to build and engineer and whatever. But, you know, getting into what we did with these bikes, which is basically uh, launching a new category of bikes. And this is this is basically the reason why I got started. I just, you know, I was confronted with these electric bikes. I started, you know, buying those and I was riding them in the woods and got into, you know, riding motorized vehicles uh, off-road. And I, it caught me. Like, I was soaked into that. But I got to the point where I realized that no one is really doing what they ought to be doing, which was, you know, optimizing the, the chassis, the combination between the chassis and the, and the drivetrain. So my take on that was that uh, instead of just put, adding on battery cells, making super heavy vehicles being run electrically, uh, we went the other way and, and tried to make something that was as light as possible and therefore being able to re- reduce the number of battery cells. And uh, we ended up with something which is about 40% lighter than an equivalent combustion engine bike in the same kind of category. And that's how we were able to kind of revolutionize uh, uh, the perspective on, on what uh, an electric off-road bike in, in some, some con- you know, in, should or could be or, or would be and would become. I, I remember talking to you uh, these three years ago uh, about 
not only are these bikes zero emission, depending on where the electricity yeah. comes from, but they're only, also zero emission of sound, basically. They're not sound polluting the environment. No, and I think this is interesting. And, and, and I'm going to tell you a story, which is beautiful in that sense, that really make a difference. But but the beauty of these bikes, again, is that you can, you know, uh, get out in the woods where you can. I mean, there's this different legislation in different countries and so forth that I totally respect. But if you if you get a chance, let's choose Canada, because in Canada, you can go everywhere. So in that sense, being able to get out there without polluting and without disturbing, uh, you know, whether that be fellow, uh, you know, mushroom pickers or, or, or wildlife, that's, that's the beauty, of course. And now that comes into practice from a number of different, you know, in a number of different ways. And, and we just uh, started a collaboration together with the Southern African Wildlife College. The thing is that, that uh, I got in contact with someone who was heavily into to, to sustainability actions in Africa. And um, we, we, we came to discuss anti-poaching. And the thing that anti-poachers, they've been using motorbikes for the past, 25 years. But the problem with these combustion engine motorbikes is there are mainly two. One is that you need to fuel them with gasoline and, you know, they're in the field. So they either fly in gasoline with helicopters or truck them in with, with trucks. Uh, again, uh, complex, expensive and, 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 and harmful. Um, and then the next thing is that these, these uh, off-road combustion engine bikes, they're so noisy. So the poachers, they hear these guys 45 minutes away. So they just, you know, hey, they're arriving. Let's p- p- pack up and leave. And in this case, uh, we uh, developed a, a bike based on a current platform, but tuned it uh, according to the demands in Africa with a very specific environment when it comes to mud and dust and whatever. And uh, brought uh, together with, with us a company named Gold Sierra in America that provided us with a, uh, a mobile solar power station so we can actually uh, charge these bikes in the field, wherever it might be. Due to the fact that they're nearly silent, uh, we can actually, or they, can sneak uh, sneak up on the poachers without you know them hearing it. So the beauty here with, with new technology, uh, solar power, uh, new type of vehicle, uh, being able to, to save endangered species, species is, is, is such a beautiful way to contribute to purpose, I would say. I think a lot of people generally, like in any startup that succeeds, feels that things happen overnight. Yeah. And I know for a fact that this yeah. did not to- happen overnight uh, no. for you guys. You, you worked a long time building this. Yeah. What drove you all that time? So I think that, that, that I, I, I potentially started and founded six or seven companies throughout my career so far. And uh, they were always, I think that I was a bit sloppier in the beginning, to be honest. I've kind of become more and more uh, selective over the years, I'd say. But my, my, the common denominator in terms of getting us or getting to the point where you're so stoked that you, there's nothing that, that, that can stop you, you need to do it, is a mind game that, that uh, I'm playing with myself when, when I've got the liberty of actually focusing on what's next. So uh, I might have 10 or 15 business ideas and they're being, you know, I, I play them in my head and, and I start, you know, criticize them and, 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 and uh, try and find, you know, uh, arguments for why and why not. And as time goes by and you kind of work that, uh, you, you kind of leave a number of, of the ideas you had from the beginning because they're not solid enough. And then you get to the point where there's only one left and you're like, this is, you know, nothing there's nothing that could actually hold us back because it, it will work due to a number of different reasons. And that's 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 who I am. And same thing, you know, with, with, with POC and, and, and previously, it was all about trying to uh, not to be 
blunt and sloppy about, you know, oh, this sounds like fun, but really stressing your idea and kind of tuning your idea uh, until you pass all of those uh, challenges, uh, question marks and hinders. And then you get to the point where you get the goosebumps and it's like, wow, this is like, I got to go for it. You told me sometime, or I may have read it, something that really inspired me. And that was, once you get in the driver's seat, you set the bar so high that you, you will end up some in a good place. This is, this is a true quality and, and, and uh, I'd say driver in, in setting uh, uh, high goals. Because no matter what you do, um, you need to, um, to actually strive for being the best in the world. And it doesn't matter what you do. It could be a small business too. And, and if you define yourself as uh, the best coffee maker in, on Södermalm in Stockholm, for instance, you define your playground or your, the field where you're playing, but, but, and, and that's relative. But you need to aim that high to be able to actually make a difference, I think. So I think that even though you're in it, the smallest business needs to have that perspective. So you just raised a huge round. It's, I yeah. mean, for by most standards, yeah. uh, it's sixty million dollars in a B round, and uh, it's a lot of work to do that. And it once done, it creates a lot of opportunity for you guys to do yeah. things. Well, how did you feel when you got home from work that day? Empty. I'd say it's it's a similar feeling to when you did a test in school and, you know, you, you're studying beforehand and once it was done, it was like, okay, now it's done. So what's next? And instead of that, that immediate kind of, you know, celebration going crazy and buying cakes, it was this, this feeling of, of, of emptiness for a day or two. And then you get to the point where it's like, okay, now it's my responsibility towards everyone who's invested to really make this happen. And then you're back on track again. And then it's like business as usual. So I need to say that the level of, of, of uh, excitement, it's a new level of, of uh, continuous excitement. There's no like peak excitement in like, oh, right. Let's go. Let's party. It's 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 um, it's motivating and it's it's um, you know and again it's gratifying. Of course, everything that we've been talking about, everything we wanted to do, can now happen. So uh, I'm just uh, extremely happy for myself and my colleagues and uh, for 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 the business as a whole to to be able to uh, accelerate towards our our aims and goals. I'm super super happy for you guys and proud to be your friend and proud to be from your country sweden is right now producing a lot of amazing companies and it's uh exciting to see that it feels like we're we're back yeah yeah were, were we were we not in in the game for a while i know this is interesting i gotta ask you what was uh, do you do you see sweden being like a power nation and then suddenly fading away and now moving back i remember say i remember talking about uh, for a long time that you know, the last time we started a really big company was Ericsson. Yeah. Yeah. People said that for yeah, a, yeah. a few years. And yeah. then Spotify came and then Klarna came yeah. and then you guys and Nextshore. And I mean, there's yeah. a bunch of exciting companies coming out of Sweden right yeah. now. Polestar. Yeah. No, I think I think yeah, that you're correct. Maybe there's this this um, uh, passage in time where uh, not much did happen. But again, there's there's a whole generation of, 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 of uh, entrepreneurship and and. Uh, I think Sweden is super strong. And I think that one of the main reasons for us to be able to succeed in what we're doing is the fact that we've been, uh, you know, trained in a democracy and uh, where labor, uh, you know, uh, the conduct of, or, or conduct and, and labor uh, relative safety in Sweden 
also creates a climate that where 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 we actually nurse a creative dialogue between colleagues in a company, different to a number, you know, many other countries where, you know, unless you you fall in with the rest of the crew within a company, uh, you're being fired. In this case, the safety net around Sweden really creates a a dynamic dialogue uh, at an office or a working place or whatever it might be that that truly ejects the ability to move fast with relevancy. And I think that that is one of the big opportunities and one of the big reasons for for the current success. Yeah, I think it plays into what you said before also about setting really high goals that we're, sometimes I feel that a lot of my entrepreneurial friends are like the bumblebee. They they don't yeah. realize they can't fly, so they can, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, it's super exciting to see. Really happy to be here and, and be able to talk to you about this and, and a big congratulations on, on your uh, successful round. Thank and, you. Uh, looking forward to seeing what's next. What is next for you guys? Right now, we're we're... There's there's a very solid plan. Again, we give you know we 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 meant to do um, between six and eight showrooms and service centers around the world for next year. I mean, you'll probably see uh, cake sites in in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Berlin, Munich, Paris, Barcelona, and so forth. And um, more than, than than anything else, we're going to need competence. So we need to hire. You know, uh, at this point, we're you know eighty people. I think that we're going to be two hundred within six months from now, and uh, that's going to be the big challenge. I mean, how do we attract talent? How do we succeed in hiring these talents? And you know, without you, you you're never you know one hundred percent safe. Far from, I would say. But uh, the hiring process is is. Uh, challenging, burdening, exciting, fun, but also a, a, um, a great challenge. Well, I guess that's an ad for anybody to look for a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stefan, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for listening to The Talk, the podcast about Nordic entrepreneurship from Nordea Private Banking. I'm Walter Nesland, and I hope to see you back here for the next episode and new amazing guests. Bye-bye now.